Love it. Okay. Great. All right. Oh, my turn. Okay. Well, we (laughs) did every every single time. I'm muted. You don't know what to say ever. Rachel (laughs) is yelling at us. Yep. There seems to be a theme here. Yep. But we're all gluttons for punishment because you just keep talking with the mute button on. Rachel just keeps showing up to these infuriating phone calls. (laughs) And I just keep talking, even though I clearly don't know what I'm saying. So... Welcome to Montessori Moms in the Wild. We are three trained Montessori guides and new moms. We are not here to be your guide per se, but simply to share, commiserate, and even inspire each other on this wild journey. Each episode, we will discuss a different element of the Montessori philosophy, explaining why it is one we find so important and interesting, and then take turns being blatantly honest about how we succeed and struggle with these practices in real life. There is no Montessori album for parenthood, and we are certainly in no shape to write one. Our hopes are that together we can remind ourselves of what is important to us as Montessorians and as mothers in a way that might help other parents, or at least entertain them. So sit back and relax as we take Montessori out of the textbooks and into the wild. Welcome everyone. My name is Rachel, mother of two with my training in infant toddler ages birth through three. I'm joined with Megan, mother of two with her training in lower elementary ages six through nine, and Laura, mother of one with her Montessori training in lower elementary and upper elementary ages six through 12. Let's start by catching up. So what have we all been up to this week? Laura, you want to share in first? I can go first, I guess. I've had (laughs) kind of a wild week and a bunch of stuff that's like not really worth getting into, but I will say that I love summer break so much. It has been so- summer, Laura? Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Wait, what was it? It was spring break, Laura, right? The last time that I had any semblance of joy and hope. Yes. It's creeping back in summer. We are in like, what, the second week? of the official break from school. And it's been jam-packed already with all kinds of cool, fun stuff. I've had a thousand playdates between the two of you guys, which is amazing. My daughter is recently completely obsessed with Rachel's husband. She's constantly (laughs) asking for that guy. That guy. That guy. That guy. That guy. Garrett. Oh, we're Garrett, mommy. (laughs) We're Garrett. That's so funny. So it's just really sweet. I love watching our kids love each other's families. It's just really always a highlight of my week. I like how Garrett is that guy. <laughs> my child calls your husband Auntie Chris. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> it's the best. So sweet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's probably mine. Rachel, what do you got? Yeah. I mean, I've clearly have been on leave. So, but summer Rachel is definitely here and we're all home together. I am so grateful. My husband has 12 weeks of paternity leave. So we get this glorious, all four of us home for the summer, just like so much family time, soaking in the newborn moments, soaking in the no sleep moments. We were up from like three to six this morning. Mm -hmm. Fun times when your child will not burp after nursing, but. Oh God. Isn't that the worst? Like, it's the worst. You no, know you have to burp. And you know they're uncomfortable mm-hmm. and they're upset. And yeah. you're just like, please just yeah. burp. Yeah. And the hard thing with that second one is like that you finally get them down and then the other one wakes up for That's the day. That's literally exactly what oh. happened. 445. <laughs> We hear water. So I was like, Garrett, that's oh, you. God. You go do water, <laughs> cover him up. And thankfully, then everybody slept till 745 this morning. And that was glorious. Wow. But still, like when you lose that three hours, it's like, what yeah. happened? I need another coffee. But yeah, yeah. No, we've been jam-packed too with playdates with both of you guys. And yeah, it's just been nice. Lots of family time. We're good. Megan. Okay. So yes, this weekend, I was in Sin City, (laughs) Las Vegas. I had a bachelorette party and was just living my non-mom life. Like it was just so weird. (laughs) 
<laughs> just to clarify, you were attending a bachelorette party. <laughs> Megan didn't just go to Vegas. Considering that we just met your husband. Yeah, I didn't. It wasn't It wasn't mine. I. It was my sister-in-law's <laughs> uh, bachelorette party. And I mean, it was just so crazy to like walk around without kids and like go to adult places. And we did a ton of stuff. But that highlight of my trip because I'm so weird. Okay. Is that we, so we had the same Uber like that picked us up from the airport and he was just really nice and really cool. And so we just hired him for the whole weekend. So anytime we went anywhere, this Uber driver came to pick us up and he grew up in Las Vegas and so knew all the things about Las Vegas. And so of course I was mostly interested in the history of Las Vegas. Oh my gosh, me too. That would have been so much fun. Yeah. You had a free tour guide? Well, not free. Fascinating. Okay, if you if you haven't learned about Las Vegas. So I I know that we've mentioned I'm a Scorpio and I don't know if anybody listening subscribes to this, but one of my biggest we'll call it flaws <laughs> <laughs> is that if I find something, I am obsessed. Like I can't. So right now, one of my obsessions is Las Vegas. Podcasts, documentaries, like I need to know everything about this place because it's so interesting. And here's one of my, I'm not going to call it a fun fact because it's actually pretty terrible. But one of the facts that I learned from my Uber driver and then learned from some of my research from the whole ride home was being a crazy person, like researching Vegas is that Vegas exists in a kind of a bowl, like a valley. So when it rains, they have this whole tunnel system underneath the city so that water can filter through. Mm -hmm. And there is an entire community of people who live under the city of Las Vegas. And it's mostly, I mean, homeless people, very big with drugs and really dark stuff. But I had no idea. Like, there are like people that are just like crawling under the city and just live there. And if it rains, they have to like quickly evacuate and everything is kind of swept away. It is wild. Wow. It's like a human earthworm effect. Yeah. Because they have, I assume all the tunnels flood, right? Because yeah. Yeah, the valley is being drained as quickly as yeah, possible. People die all the time. Like if oh my they are under there. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's crazy. And I'm not going to get into it here if you're into like spooky stuff. Laura, I know you yes, are. You, so. I'm, this is the best conversation we've ever had. I'm getting history <laughs> facts. I'm getting creepy, weird city facts. I'm about to get a spooky story. Yes. So I didn't know Vegas is very known for its hauntings and how it's super ghost things going on. Well, a lot of sudden and tragic deaths in Vegas oh. with the mob history and the, the mob, just high, high suicide, high, high and the drugs and the murder yeah. rates, like everything. And obviously just like they call it Sin City for a reason, very dark place for a lot of different things. But there's a bunch of ghost tours and stuff because it's very well known that there are all of these hauntings that happen in the casinos and in the hotels and stuff. So, so interesting. I just listened to a bunch of podcasts on it. And if you're interested in that kind of stuff, DM me because I will be interested in this for at least six more months. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Earlier when you and Rachel, Rachel was like, oh, Vegas is fun if you do it right and we should all go. I will absolutely do Vegas for the ghost tours and the history. Yes. Like I want to do all the yeah. underground. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Stage Vegas. Some people go to I clubs. I just need to eat. I really <laughs> like to eat well, good yeah, food. Absolutely that. So yeah. 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 I was like, how is this the highlight of my trip to learn about all the ghosts that haunt the casinos in Vegas? Well, this is why we're friends. My big question was like, okay, they call it Sin City. Everyone knows, I guess not everyone, but like all of the history with, like you said, the mob, suicide, all kinds of crazy money and illegal things happening. Like why? Like why did it become the hub? That's for true. all this crazy stuff. So yeah. that is in my search. I have several reasons why. I'm sure nobody wants to hear about it, <laughs> but. I'll DM you. I'll DM you. That's what's going on in my life right now. I love it. I love everything yeah. about it. I really support it. And this is definitely why we're friends. So <laughs> <laughs> We're all weird together. Yeah. So. We're all very weird. If that hasn't come out loud and clear yet. All right. Let's hop into our topic today. Megan, do you want to start? Okay. Before I get into this topic, I just want to say that I bit my tongue earlier. Oh, no. And I feel like it's like bigger than my mouth. Mm. Like that my tongue is bigger than my mouth. Is all swollen? So, 
Probably. That's probably a good reason why it feels bigger than me. Yeah, that's <laughs> actually it, scientifically what would happen. I'm pretty much so a doctor. So I feel like I'm talking weird. So anyway, if I say this whole long thing and I have a lisp, that's why. Okay. Okay. So today we are going to hit on a touchy, maybe kind of tricky topic, lying. Our children lying to us, maybe us lying to our children. So the American Montessori Society has a great article on lying and executive functioning and connections to Montessori education. It is written by Tracy Sulek, Janet Bagsby, and Rachel Renbarger. I don't know why I said it like a sportscaster. <laughs> and was recently released in the summer of 2019. The article shared that even by the age of three, children are able to deceive others. And if you have a child, you probably have experienced this. Typically in the early ages of life, children learn how to utilize pro-social lying, which is what we would call little white lies. So in the article, they reference a New York Times article by Stone in 2018 that parents should be happy that their children are lying because it means that they are developing executive functioning skills. It might not feel like that, but that's what's happening, and it's an important part of our academic and social success. Our executive functioning also further controls self-regulation, attention, social-emotional skills, which are important for planning, decision-making, problem-solving, and other cognitive skills. This article discusses a study done in a normal classroom with corporal punishment and a Montessori classroom with no physical punishment and only verbal or other punishments. From the study, the article says, when students know they will not be severely punished for lying, they realize that they can be honest. This safe environment where truth-telling and respect for others is enforced is likely to decrease student lying. So the Montessori environment will still have children who lie. We all will have children who are going to try this hat on. But because of grace and courtesy lessons and the honest and open relationship and trust built between teachers and students, the children tend to be more honest and open. So what are our thoughts on this? Let's start with this, which is children lying. And then maybe after that, we'll talk about adults who lie to children. So what are our thoughts on this when our children lie? Laura, what do you got? So most of my experience thus far really is in the second plane of development, being that I spent all of that time as a lower elementary teacher. I had ages six through nine. So most of my language around it and like I said, just experiences around it really apply to that age group. But for me, what I found to be extremely effective in handling children lying because every single one of them is going to try it at some point, even the idyllic textbook Montessori and children who just are great kids from great families, even they are going to try at these, like you said, these pro-social little white lies, which again is a really important part of figuring out society in general. To a degree, there is a need to manipulate your surroundings, you know, so like I get that. And I think that was what was really helpful in dealing with these situations is that if you can understand the rationale behind it and also sort of first and foremost, check your emotional reaction to it, that's going to be a huge game changer because I'll admit it is hard not to take it personally, not to feel like they are disrespecting you by lying to you, right? Like sometimes they're lying right to your face. You're asking, did you take that thing? And you see physical evidence of it all around them and on them and they're telling you, no, I didn't touch it. That's frustrating. Like it's hard not to take that personally. But if I can remove my own emotional reaction from it and just stay very calm, very matter of fact, and just address the facts of the situation and constantly be giving them a chance to participate in it so it's not just becoming a lecture from me. So I guess if I could give an example, the first thing that came to my mind when I read the part about the study saying that there was proof that when the children realized there was not a harsh consequence for lying, they were more likely to be honest and come forward about things. I saw that in my own classroom throughout the course of the school year. I'll have a situation where, let's say, somebody takes somebody else's snack, right? Throughout the course of the morning, there were a couple times whoever brought that snack came to me all upset that the snack was not there when they went to have snack. Somebody else took it. And I'll go look in the trash can, and sure enough, there's the wrapper to that snack, like visibly placed in the trash can. So someone very recently ate it, 
I know who's been to snack lately. You know, like I, I can do my detective work to figure out who took that kid's snack so that I have the answer before I even pose the question to the group of this snack was taken. Does anybody know anything about that? And giving the benefit of doubt. Did someone possibly pick it up by accident, which makes it now feel safer, even if that wasn't what happened? Like I'm, I'm going to stand up there and say, this happened. There's a lot of different reasons that could have happened. I would love to understand why it happened. And I'm just going to let you guys know that I am available. I'm over here. And if anybody wants to come talk to me and tell me what happened, I always appreciate honesty. There will, There's never a severe consequence for being honest. Like we can work it out. We can figure it out together, right? I, you know, end the announcement there. I leave it open. I'm not emotional. I'm not upset. I'm not heated. I'm not scanning the room. The kids are now scanning the room to see who's going to come to me. And usually by the time everybody has moved on from the topic, somebody does come to me and they'll say, you know, Mrs. Sales, I, I think I took that snack. And Again, I check my own emotional reaction. I don't get upset. I don't get angry. I don't immediately, why did you do that? Why would you do that? You know, that was a bad thing to do. Just, oh, okay, what happened there? Can you tell me why you took the snack? And sometimes the answer is no, I can't tell you. Like, I genuinely don't understand it myself. And then eventually you would get the, I wanted it. And you get the the truth. And again, they're kind of bracing themselves, waiting for me to be mad about that. But I don't get angry and just say, okay, I understand that. That snack looked really good, right? You probably wanted to try it. I get it. But that was not your food. You just took the food from somebody else. That was that person's snack for the morning. And now they're hungry and they're upset. So how do you think we can make this right? Because that's always the the natural consequence in Montessori is always just whatever it takes to right the wrong that you've made. When we've talked about this, having consequences that make sense per what the action was. And so if you took somebody else's thing, how do you think that you can make that right and have the kid come to the conclusion that, well, since I ate his snack, I still have my snack in my backpack, which I suppose I could now offer to him. And, you know, barring food allergies and stuff like that. I just think creating that safe space so that by the end of the year, as soon as I say, hey guys, something happened and I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to me, the kids come to me much faster because they know they want to get it off their chest anyway and they understand that they're not going to be penalized for it or shamed for it. In fact, they're going to be given an alternate way to have dealt with it and also a way to make it right. And that's just really important to model for kids so that in the hopes that by the time we're getting to 16, 17, 18 year olds lying about things, you've already built that foundation that they can talk to you. They can admit that they did something wrong and know that you still love them, that your love for them isn't conditional upon them always behaving perfectly because that's not realistic. Okay, I'm done. I like that you used safe space. I don't know, that keeps running through my head now that you've said that because growing up when I lied, I mean, why did you do that? It wasn't me being validated or a gentle, like your whole beautiful explanation that you do in the Montessori classroom that we, of course, will try or are trying to do as parents. But the safe space really, I don't know, just that word to me gives comfort, like that's giving the children comfort, the trust that they need so that they can be honest, so that they know they don't they don't have to even if they did this they can come around and tell the truth I don't know I like that you said safe yeah I think nine times out of ten when a kid lies or when anybody lies it's because they are afraid that the truth of the situation it's a negative reaction that's going to come yeah is going to bring out this big negative reaction from others and the core of any of those fears is well if I get that negative reaction from others and they see me in this negative way they will love me less right and any human being just wants to be loved. So it's like just this very deep internal gut reaction that causes us to lie, in my opinion. And so I think creating a space where you don't have to be worried that your love will be taken away kind of foregoes the need to lie in the first place. But then if you do mess up, you can you can still feel like you can be honest with me. Right. Is that making sense? Yeah. No, I yeah, I like beautiful. how kind of starting out how you talked about checking yourself and that a lot of times as adults, when we're lied to, we feel disrespected and kind of what we talked about at the beginning about how this is actually a positive skill that is being learned, but also that that kind of, I think, helps with 
maybe feeling disrespected. But I do want to say too, I think that not only sometimes you feel disrespected, sometimes you feel fearful that if you don't check it, if you don't do it now, that it'll get worse and that your child will become a liar and grow up to embezzle and be hunted down by the IRS or something atrocious. So <laughs> I love that's the that's the scenario. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a lot of times and we've talked about this in the podcast a ton of times about being managing our expectations for age appropriate behavior. If our 20-year-old is lying through their teeth every time they talk, that's an issue. Yeah. But with our children, they're learning and they're trying to figure this out. So I actually did look up the reasons kids lie. This is according to the Child Mind Institute. So first, to get out of trouble, right? They did something. They know they're getting in trouble. They're trying to avoid it. To boost their self-esteem or how others view them. So I'm the fastest kid in my class. I once had a student tell everyone in school that he had 43 bathrooms in his house Yeah, because he wanted them to feel like he had this really cool place and he wanted them to be impressed by him. Obviously, he didn't have 43. I mean, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) I'm impressed. I I don't think that he had 43 bathrooms, but you know. I want to be friends with that kid. (laughs) Why would anyone need that? Um, (laughs) And then another reason is just to see what will happen. Like I said at the beginning, Mm. sometimes they're just trying on a hat. Like if I say this thing, like what's going to happen? Cause and effect. And then the last one, Laura kind of touched on this impulse control. Sometimes I think that we've all done this. I know that I have. Someone says something to me and I just answer. And later I'm like, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Why did I say that? I don't know why I said that. Um, And so – and we've talked about the impulse control of children that is still being acquired and – So sometimes they just, that's just the answer that comes to their mind and that it might not be true. So all of this to say that I think it's important to one, realize what's happening developmentally and two, understand that there are many layered reasons, not just to disrespect you, not just because they are turning into little liars. You know what I mean? So like, let's dissect what is the reason behind this lie? What's the deeper meaning? And so for you in your story, Laura, the reason I love it so much is because you didn't just jump into shaming, like who did it? I want to know now and calling the person out. Now they're hungry. Are you happy? Yeah. Look what you've done. (laughs) It wasn't their intention to starve someone that you kind of went through this list of like, what what's going on? And also gave them the opportunity, the opportunity to be honest without shame is what Rachel was saying of this safe place. That's such an important thing. And so for me personally, kind of the reason that I I want my kids to feel like they can come to me without fear that I won't hear them or that I won't love them or that I'll judge them or that I'll shame them My hope is that they'll come to me and know that I will keep them accountable for their mistakes and also help them make it right, that I'm a safe place for that. So I think that's why this is really important because we're not saying that you don't need to keep your kids accountable. It's not like, oh, you know, you stole this thing. Oh, it's okay, honey. I love you. (laughs) That's not what we're saying. (laughs) Not what we're saying. Yeah. I don't want it to come off like that we're being super, super cushy here because there are, we've talked about it. We've talked about boundaries. There are boundaries. And if you are interested in natural consequences, we talked about that in Praise and Punishment, another earlier episode that we did. So yeah, we're not trying to encourage this. We're just trying to keep them accountable with respect. You can hold boundaries and also be respectful. In a developmentally appropriate way. Yeah. I like that you really hit on that because that 150% matters in how we're going to handle the situation too. Just like Laura handled that situation a certain way. I would not be able to do that with a toddler. Yeah. I was going to say the same yeah. thing. I, you know, my, my whole handling of the situation depends a lot on language skills. Yes. You know, like there's so much more in that second totally. plane that I'm working with than you would be working with. And I assume a lot of the lying for the toddler is falling under the impulse control category. So what do you do? Well, I, I mean, even the snack example happens in my classroom. We have self-serve snack. So a lot of times toddler sets up their snack, takes it to the table. They may get up to wash their hands. They may get up to use the toilet. They come back and the snack is 
gone out of their bowl. What happened? Who took the cookie from the cookie <laughs> jar? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? And that's exactly what literally all 12 children are like, what happened? Like, we have no idea where that went. It's a mystery. <laughs> Unlike with Laura, typically a child doesn't come forward because they either forgot, they don't have the understanding of that truly was somebody else's snacks. It's impulse control, but I'm not expecting the toddler to have the impulse control that a elementary student has, right, exactly, obviously. Right. And exactly. we've talked about this with our sensitive periods. We talked about this when we did our episode on crying about kind of manipulation and age-appropriate behavior. And so I feel like what you're saying is really helpful, Rachel. And we've said this before. They don't have the empathy to understand no. that what they're doing is maybe harmful to someone else. They don't have the ability to stop before they act and also don't maybe have the ability to later kind of reflect on what's going on. So that might just need to be dealt with right away. Like my daughter recently, I was on FaceTime while I was in Vegas actually. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? And she was like, I had a cake pop and I had a blueberry muffin. And I looked at my husband and he was like, no, <laughs> no, she didn't. <laughs> um, so instead of saying something like, no, you didn't, that's not true. We just moved on with our conversation or maybe in the moment, just kind of checking it and moving on. So like- yeah. You know, did you watch a show? In our in our case, did you watch a show at grandpa's house? Because then in our case, then they wouldn't watch a show when they came home. And she says no. And if I knew that she did, I would just say, it's really hard when you have to turn off the TV, but we're going to play outside now. Yeah. And that just be the end of it for a toddler. But when Laura and I start to get into these older ages and we were talking about the sensitive periods there, when we're talking about justice, we're talking about social norms, we're talking about community, there's a lot more ability to do that empathy and self-reflection and the importance of community and how we function together. So you really do handle them much differently, although in both situations, the snacks, it's funny how they were both revolving around snacks, both of your stories. It's always snacks. snacks. Always snacks, snacks. snacks. I think what happened the way both of you are dealing with those things are you're checking yourself. You're not taking it personally. You're not fearful that they will one day rob the government. <laughs> not feeling like they disrespected you as a person. You didn't shame them. You didn't go back and forth with them in some kind of power struggle. There was reinforcement that their actions don't affect your love for them, framing it as a mistake, an accident, whatever it is, and making it right. So we ate our friend's snack. Let's let's prepare them a snack so that they can eat. Maybe validating why. You were really hungry. That looked really good. I understand that. Yeah. Holding the boundary. Yeah. But we cannot eat other people's food because it's not yours. Yep. So I really love both of those stories and I feel like that really wraps up our belief in in why we handle this this way in the Montessori environment. Do you guys have anything to add on children lying to us? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. You always have the mic drop. Yeah. Boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I talk last. That is why. But now the tricky part. Yeah. Parents lie. Okay. So I actually did write down a study that I found. So us lying to our children. So a study was conducted where a bowl of candy was promised to a child in another room. When they entered the room, there was no candy. And so the adult was like, I just said that so you'd come and play with me. So they lied. Right. The next phase of the experiment, each child was asked to guess a toy that the child wanted. The adult would leave, cover up the toy, and tell the child, don't look under the covers, and you can see it when you get back. And there was like a camera so they could see if they, if they actually looked. So when the adult came back, they asked the child, did you look? And the child had the opportunity to be honest or lie. So in the study, they recorded the answers in a control group. So children who were lied to versus children who weren't lied to, what was the outcome? How honest were they? The kids who were tricked by the adult were more likely to peak and they were also more likely to lie about it. So kind of what this study shows, and this was also, I should say, that children over five, children over five were more likely to be affected by the adult's track record. So they were more likely to have their answer depend on how the adult 
handled the first phase being the lying to them about the candy. So I feel like this is a great example of why we believe in being honest with children that dishonesty breeds dishonesty. So that's where I'm going to start there. Laura, what are your thoughts? Well, I 100% agree that it just sort of breeds ground for them to subconsciously understand that if it's okay for you to do that, it's okay for them to do that. And also this is like an appropriate way to avoid a difficult conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. That I can just lie my way out of things when it's easier to do that. Because I think that's where a lot of parents get stuck is in situations where it's easier (laughs) to just say, oh, sorry, buddy, the train is broken today as it's riding around the park, but you don't feel like going on it. You know, like kids will put those things together and come to understand Mm -hmm. mommy's not always honest. And you said a thing, Megan, in one of our first episodes that just replays through my head all the time. And you were saying how you are careful about when you really truly say no to your daughter because you want her to know that your word is as good as gold, right? So you're not going to say no in times where you know you're actually pretty likely to cave on it or buckle or give in or just do the thing. Because if she starts to see that sometimes no means no, but sometimes no means just ask me five more times and I'll give it to you, then you've already compromised the quality of your word, right? It sounds dramatic, but like it really stuck with me because it really is true. And that's not to say that anybody out there doing that, because I do it all the time myself, say no and then end up caving eventually. It's not to say that we're damaging our relationship with our children or anything like that. It's just that that really is something I think that's worth striving for, meaning what you say and saying what you mean with everybody in your life, but especially your kid. And it is just so hard because you're tired. You don't want to do the thing. You just don't want to do the thing. So you'll make up a little white lie about it. I experienced this as an adult instead of as a kid. I nannied for a little while and I had this amazing, brilliant little four-year-old girl. Her parents had crazy, crazy stressful jobs with really long hours, hence having a nanny. And they all the time had commitments that would keep them out beyond her bedtime, but they worked out of the house. So it was pretty common that they would run into us at some point around dinner time while I'm doing dinner with her just to kind of pop in and check in and give her a kiss and a hug. And then they had to head out to some dinner or some whatever. And she would be all, you know, where are you going? When are you coming? I want you to do bedtime with me. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be back for bath. I'll be back for bath. When I already knew for a fact they weren't coming back until after she was asleep. But it made her stop begging and asking and whining and hugging them and not wanting to let them go, which is heartbreaking, of course. So to them, it just made sense to say the thing that they knew would stop it and make her happy, which is, yes, I'll be back to tuck you in tonight. But they didn't come back to tuck her in that night. And I watched this happen several different times. By one of the last times I was with her that they were saying, I'll be back to tuck you in, you could see in her face that she already knew that that wasn't true. And it also now was a much longer tantrum of her pulling on them and crying and saying, don't go, because at that point she knew it was a lie. That makes me so sad. (laughs) That's so sad. I understand why the parents did that and why the logic was to just tell her this thing. And and you know what? I bet a bunch of those times they really did try really hard to make it home to tuck yeah. her in and they really did want to follow through with it. But there were just too many times that yeah. it clearly felt like a lie. And at, at that point I vowed well before I had kids that I would really try really hard not to lie to my kids to de-escalate a situation or make something move faster yeah. or get something to go my way because there is a consequence for that. There is a toll that that takes on your kid. That story makes me really sad, but I want to say I 100% have done this with my toddler. I have told a little white lie to my toddler because it is easier, especially right now and all the things, but I can't like it, it's something that once you do it once, it's super easy to just be like, oh, and this, oh, and that, oh, and you know, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Yes, it's a slippery slope. It's very easy to fall into. And it's the easy way out. Like I'm taking the easy way out when I say that. And he's only two now. But like we've all just said, he already figures it out now. Like he knows that train's not broken. He sees it going around. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, so I just want to say, hey, as a parent, you're going to probably do it. So it's just in our heads. Let's work on trying not to do it. Yeah. 
and knowing the why behind maybe we shouldn't do it and just try our best. Yeah, I love that. I love that disclaimer because we're talking about this kind of philosophically. Like, we don't believe that it's okay and right to lie to your children. Do I do it sometimes? Yeah. I told my daughter that the lid to the juice was broken, so I couldn't open it. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and I, that's, it's broken. Yes. I can't. And yes. so yes. I, I understand. And so, yes, I'm glad you brought that up, Rachel, because there is really, really, I promise, no judgment here because we've all done it and probably we'll do it again. Mm -hmm. And we're just kind of reflecting on this. Is this something that we want to do? And my answer is no, it's not. There are not only white lies, but really kind of hard things to talk about with kids like death, relationships, like divorces, estrangements, illness, when where babies come from, like the big stuff. And that's also sometimes a lot easier to lie about. You know, the dog went to the farm. <laughs> yeah. You know, babies come from hugs. Like all of these things <laughs> that we maybe don't feel fully equipped to talk about. And so I, I talked earlier about how sometimes children lie to us for various reasons. And sometimes we feel disrespected. Sometimes we feel fearful. And I think a lot of times when we lie to our kids, it's because we don't know what else to do, you know? Especially yeah. in those circumstances. Yeah, like I don't yeah. know what like, to what say. what do I say? I don't know what yeah. to say. So, but I do believe from Laura's story that kids feel it. They know when we're not being honest. They know when we're not telling them the full story. And that doesn't create the relationship that I personally want with my children. So I do believe that they deserve, and I'll put this again, an age-appropriate, honest answer and discussion and support that opens those channels of communication so that they can ask questions and express their feelings. I know you're really sad that I'm not going to be home tonight. I'm very sorry. I'm going to miss you. And then maybe come up with a little, I've seen, is it our mama village that like goes and puts little hearts in her kids' yeah, hands while that. they're sleeping so that when they wake up, they know that she was thinking about them. You come up with something to help them cope with the hard situation instead of lying to them. Lying doesn't help them cope, doesn't right. give them the tools that they need to handle it. And so from my perspective is like why I am trying to do this is one, respect for my children, which we talk about in Montessori all the time. Two, I want them to know that they can come to me for the truth and for comfort. I know many people who feel like they can't talk to their parents about things, even mm -hmm. as adults, be like, well, they're not going to really have that conversation with me. They're going to blow me off. And I don't want them to feel that way. I don't want them to feel judged. I want them to feel like they can come and have an honest conversation. And I want them to be able to feel like they can process hard things in my care. Like while they're still under my roof and under my guidance, helping them before they're out in the world and hard things happen and they don't know and don't have the tools to handle them. So those are kind of my big reasons like that philosophically why I, I choose most of the time try to not yeah. lie to my children. I want to say really quick too, developmentally, depending on the age of your child, you may not have an answer at that moment other than a lie to give them. Like say, if they do ask about maybe how babies come about or this or that, and you in your mind, like don't have an answer there to say other than that impulse, the lie comes out. It's okay to, to say to them, you know, right now, I can't answer that question. Obviously, this is developmentally appropriate. I can't answer that question. Let me think about that or let me talk to daddy about that. And then we can give you an answer or maybe something like that, too, because it's easy to have that impulse and just say something. But then if it's not the true thing, then we want to be honest with them. But how do we go about that? Yeah. And maybe you need more time. And so I think it's okay to also say, hey, I can't answer that right now. I think that's a huge, huge tip, Rachel, because yeah. I think a lot of us feel an obligation to have the answer, to have the right answer, but to have any answer at all right away, all the time. There is definitely this messed up misconception that adults know what they're doing and have all the answers to things. And I feel like that starts when we're little kids and the adults around us seem to have just constantly have things. something <laughs> to say. Yeah, for everything that I ask, there's there's something, right? It was so rare that an adult comfortably and confidently said, you know what? I don't know. 
I will get back to you or let's figure that out together, whatever it is, instead of just giving me an answer quick and easy. So I love that. And Megan, everything that you said is beautiful, (laughs) is beautiful. I'm moved to tears. I love (laughs) it. I definitely a hundred thousand percent agree. And we'll circle back one more time to the no shame to anybody out there doing this because moments before I gave my ranty speech about in what moment I chose to never lie to my future children. I had also confessed that I have absolutely said something was unavailable when it was completely available, <laughs> but I was not interested in doing it, whatever it was. The nicest right? way, it's unavailable. Right, that's my Montessori go-to answer is that's unavailable right now. And then I'm not like straight up lying and saying it's broken when it's clearly running, but it's just not happening for you. It's unavailable. You're not lying to them. Like right, I'm not really lying. <laughs> it's just that's my not go-to. a choice. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. And I and I think there's also a pretty dramatic difference between my original example of lying repeatedly about being there for your child at night versus not wanting to open the juice. You know, like these are these are different scenarios, but I think yeah. what they share is just not wanting to deal. <laughs> right. Not wanting to deal, wanting Correct. to give an easier way out of the situation. And at the end of the day, still in some way having your child subconsciously absorb that that is appropriate behavior and therefore not being able to be surprised when you see that out of them. Yeah. I I know we're running out of time, but I could not get through a Montessori episode on lying without talking about Santa Claus. Oh. I was wondering if we were going to do that. Yeah. We can like really get into this and I, I, I'll try not to. Like maybe we can do an episode about this at Christmas You know what? Time. Maybe we should. Maybe we should do a whole episode on Tooth Fairy, Santa Claus, Easter Bunny. Yeah. That would be good. That's actually the good. The mythical creatures of our culture that are so deeply ingrained. Yeah. Because I mean, there are certain schools of thought where you could say that you're lying to your children. I know that we've had this conversation. Some of us are choosing to, some of us are not. Some of us viewed as lying. Some of us don't. And that's totally okay. But I just feel like in the Montessori world, it's like a particular hot button. It is. So I just couldn't go without mentioning it. Acknowledging it. Yeah. But you know what? I like that's a little teaser. Let's just dangle it out there as something that we definitely want to come back to. Because I bet there are other parents out there that are like, okay, so if I'm supposed to be so honest and so real and so concrete, what do I do with all these things? So we we should circle back. All right. Well, there you go. Stay tuned. Our next topic coming soon. Yeah. All right. Let's let's finish it out. Let's finish out the show with a segment called Confessions from the Wild. What do we have this week and who wants to go first? Not it. I will go. Okay. So we have a wedding this weekend. My husband's very best friend from college is getting married and it's like super formal, like super, super formal. This is also funny. I could do a confession for Garrett. <laughs> he didn't order his tux jacket in time, and now they don't make it. Like, it's gone. So um, he has to wear his tux jacket from high school. Oh, my God. He's almost 30, guys. <laughs> he went to high school how long ago? 12 years. And he probably got it, gosh, when he was maybe a junior in high school. He was like a track star. Like, no yes, dad bod he was yet, like basically. A stick. No dad no bod. No dad bod. Anyways, that's a whole nother note. He's he's on a health journey right now. That's all I gotta <laughs> say. <on> a health <laughs> journey. I love that for him. He's sweating for the wedding. His paternity leave is full of health journey experiences. <laughs> but he's like, if I can lose five more pounds by Friday, I'm like, dude. The last time I saw you, the last words out of his mouth were, "We gotta hurry, Rachel. I need my chicken nuggets for Chick Fil A for my birthday. I only have one more day to to claim them. I need my free nugs." And we went to Chick-fil-A and got those free nugs. So is the jacket good? (laughs) It it fits. It buttons. Okay. All right. You're good. You're golden. Anyways, so back to me. I am like four weeks postpartum, you know, nursing, and I have to find this freaking formal dress. So I went last weekend to find a dress. And to make this story short, I leaked breast milk in the dressing room on the carpet. Oh, man. I mean, I'm your my letdown somehow happened. And literally, it's just squirting. And I'm like trying to move these like $200 dresses <laughs> out of the way. So I don't have to buy all these $200 dresses. 
And then I'm just like leaking on the floor and my friend went with me and she was pregnant and doing August and she was just looking at me and I was like, it'll be okay. She it'll was probably like, okay. oh my God, what did I, what did I get myself into? With- That's a white lie, Rachel. It'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, that was a lie. <laughs> at least my precious child was asleep in the stroller and didn't make a peep the whole three hour shopping trip so but literally I was like I'm not buying any of these I need to wipe myself down with baby wipes and we need to go to another store now (laughs) I can never be seen by these people again thank you never coming back to that store again (laughs) man Megan you have something to share We should just call this segment Megan Can't Go Places. That's what we should call it. We should call this segment Megan Can't Go Places and Rachel's Covered in Breast Milk Again. (laughs) Pretty much. Seriously. Yeah. So again, I was in Las Vegas this weekend and obviously we know that I have problems traveling. I don't know why. I think – okay, we've talked about this. I I am a manifester. I think I'm starting to manifest this for myself. Oh, like a negative? Like you're manifesting these – these problems yeah, are say, following like, oh, you. This is just on brand. This is just me. I'm manifesting this. You I think. are because you, you are so? a manifester, and yeah. So I don't know. I think I'm too powerful. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, how do I want to start this off? So okay, I was I was on my trip. I came back, and I had to leave the hotel room at you know normal time, like twelve one whatever. And I didn't have my flight until 11 p.m. So I had like 10 hours to kill. And so we hung around Vegas and then we went to the airport and got coffee. And then we went to the lounge. I love the lounge. I'm a lounge girly okay, because I'm just very fancy like that. You know? Bougie. (laughs) She's bougie. I'm a lounge girly. I like how you said that. Like – that's like if a whole community her, like, of people. You should have seen there. me. I was like sitting there like in my like plush booth with my champagne and my cookie. <laughs> what were you wearing? Wow. I'm too dirty and poor to know what a lounge girly is. <laughs> yeah. So I just was feeling like I was living the high life and then, you know, went to go get on my really late flight, tried to sleep on my flight did my best, get to my location. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, thank God I'm finally here. I'm so tired. I'm going to drive two hours home because that's where I was two hours from home. I'm going to drive two hours home and I'm just going to like go to sleep. So I get to my car and of course my car battery is dead. <sighs> and again, I was just like, yeah, yep, yep, yep. That, that sounds about right. So I call two places I like call through my insurance to come get the to have them send someone like a tow truck or whatever to come and and jump it so that because like I didn't want to walk around the parking garage by myself asking random strangers to come you know I don't know I felt weird I about don't that. Blame you. I Plus, do it I never once saw another person in like the level so I would have had to go up to higher levels looking for strangers to jump my car. And That's I creepy in a parking yeah. garage. So I called them and then I also called the like airport security. So if you're ever in that situation, there's like a number on the levels that says for assistance or they have like those buttons that you can like call for help. So I called them and of course, both of them take over an hour to show up. And I was like, oh I'm just going to keep them both up and then I'll just cancel whoever doesn't show up. So I'm yeah. sitting there for an over an hour. We're in the south. It's so hot. So it's hot. So hot. And there's like I don't have AC, so I'm just like sitting there in the heat. Finally, over an hour goes by. The guy, the security guy, finally comes and he's talking to me and he's jumping my car and he's just like, you know, these people, people just don't pay attention. And he's talking about why he's been busy because he's been having to help so many people who are spacey and doesn't realize like. You're talking to someone who also has made a mistake today. And he was like, these people, I can't. They're just not paying attention and they're just so busy to get to their flight. And I'm like, yeah, me. That's those people. <laughs> you should have been like, about? they're the worst. Ugh, I could never be one of those I was those like, oh, people. wow, that sounds so hard as he's jumping my car because <laughs> I left the lights on in it. Because you're spacey <laughs> and rushing to get on your flight. Yeah. So – Anyway, he so he's talking about how dumb all these people are and then he starts my car and then I get in the car and I reach for my wallet so that I can pay to get out of the garage and realize that in my plushy lifestyle, I left it in 
the lounge. Oh my god, Megan. <laughs> okay, I hadn't heard that part. I left it in the lounge. So I was like, I'm going to have to call this guy again and be like, also, I don't have a wallet. Can you let me out of the garage? Oh my god! So I was just sitting there thinking like, like all of the options. I was like, I could just run through that little swishy gate. Like how expensive like could they be? Like just plow it down? Yeah, like a, a ticket like – Oh my gosh. It might be worth the public embarrassment. You know, I actually thought about that. I thought about running over the median because I was like, could my car fit? Maybe it could fit. I don't know. But I'm sorry. You would rather have plowed through <laughs> like the airport parking security. garage gate and driven over a median <laughs> than have to admit to this man. That you're never going to see again. That you are, in fact, one of these people that he's <laughs> bitching about. And also, you're worse than one of them because yeah. you don't even have your wallet. I 100% thought about it. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to drive through the, like – pay thing and hopefully like my apple pay works with it hopefully and so i just like put my phone up to it and then it scanned and opened and i and i left so it worked out i didn't have to vandalize public property <sighs> wow wow so where's your so where's your wallet it resides in the las vegas international airport as of today wow yeah. What happens in Vegas really does stay in Vegas. It stays in Vegas it, and they won't answer your calls to mail it back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm sorry. I should not laugh. I should not laugh. My confession rolls directly off of that one. And that is that you texted me probably per the timeline of the story I'm hearing right now. I'm realizing that you were pretty freshly landed and pretty freshly realized that you had that dead battery. I live in the same city that that airport is in. And what did I do? I texted you, no, in all caps, and got ready for my play date with Rachel <laughs> at the park. I absolutely could. I know what it is like when you call AAA. You always are waiting a minimum, minimum of 45 <laughs> minutes. I could have been to you in half that time and jumped you. Like, I am the worst garbage pile friend <laughs> in the world. And I am sorry. And I really feel better confessing that to you and <laughs> And the world because it's something I've been thinking since this time wow. yesterday when I was like, oh shit, I probably could have gone to help her <laughs> way faster than anybody that she called. Like, we I'm so sorry. Garrett. I'm oh so sorry. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. So you both are the worst. Yes, <laughs> the worst. I'm not even, I'm laughing, but I shouldn't be. I should be writing you a formal apology letter in my nicest cursive. Okay, I want you to sit in this feeling, <laughs> yeah, but- Scorpio. But I have to – I also have to confess that I was in Charlotte. Oh, my oh. God. Okay. Oh, wow. I feel so much better right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I also know – I also know that you didn't know that. No. So. No. I, none of it – it was several hours. So that's why hours. I, I was going to let you off the hook, but also you didn't know that I was in Charlotte. But also so. you deserve Funny. to suffer. <laughs> Um, speaking yeah. of um, milk, I'm going to have to go feed my child. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, let's wrap I'm it. I'm so glad that you have that. That like keeps us on track. Yes. Really thank good. you, okay. Rachel, and your memories. And thank you all of you for listening to Montessori Moms in the Wild. <laughs> I love the way you just Thank said you, that. Thank you, all of you. <laughs> you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, follow, review, and rate. I blinked in the middle of that list of verbs and I panicked. <laughs> for more of our content, for more of our content, uh, you can follow us at Montessori Moms in the Wild on Instagram or email us at Montessori Moms in the Wild at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next week, stay wild. <laughs> there, I knew it. That's where he gets it from. That's where he gets it from. <laughs> that is where he gets it from. Okay, bye. Good night. Bye. Bye.